Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to be taking a look at Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 through 8 today. This is our second to last sermon in our sermon series through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so here are Ecclesiastes, the verses of Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 through 8. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high. And terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about in the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped. Or the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain. Or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. In moving to Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 through 8, we have come now to the most linguistically beautiful section of the book of Ecclesiastes. You heard the poetry as we read it. And if you're anything like me, it sounds very vivid, but it's hard to immediately grasp what's being talked about, especially in verses 2 through 6 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Hopefully, by the end of our time together, you'll be able to see that's lyrically beautiful language that describes something very particular. This is the section of the, uh, of the scripture that is very beautiful. And this is the portion that begins the last chapter of the book. The preacher throughout the book of Ecclesiastes has done his work examining the whole nature of life, considering everything under the sun. There he's done the exhausting work of figuring out if there is anything in this world, anything in this world apart from divine revelation, anything in this world that brings lasting benefit to a person, lasting gain. And the findings for the preacher have not been very bright trying all of the pleasures that the world has to offer, giving his mind to wisdom, making an attempt at all sorts of different forms of work, the preacher has found that there is no lasting benefit to any of it. There is no gain to be found under the sun. Now, when we talk about under the sun, the way that the book talks about it, that's the world as it is apart from God's control. Without God entering into the picture, there's no lasting gain or benefit that can be found in this world. In fact, this life, honestly considered, is one that is very bleak. The powerful often oppress. 
the wise and the righteous are oftentimes the ones that do not receive honor. The race doesn't always go to the swift. The prize doesn't always go to the strong. Because of this, there is more to be learned from going to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting or to the house of dancing. There is more to be learned in death than there is in birth in this life under the sun. It's been at times a dark and oftentimes a challenging book, even as it has encouraged a genuine joy and a true enjoyment of the gifts that God has given to us, nonetheless, the book has been at times dark and challenging for us. Ecclesiastes forces us to take a really honest look at the things that we try to find ultimate pleasure in under the sun. Nothing that you'll find under the sun will fill you up. Nothing will last longer than a breath. And so nothing is worth trusting in under the sun. Nothing is worth putting your faith or your trust in. With that context in mind of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 through chapter 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 now breaks onto the scene like the sun after a long winter's night. The preacher, having considered everything, now draws his conclusion. It is good. In fact, we must remember our creator and fear God. Remember your creator and fear God. The first point today is that, remember your creator. Let's take a look at that introductory phrase here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 again. Here is what Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1 says at the very beginning. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator. This should make us pause. This clause, this phrase right here. The task of the preacher up to this very moment, like I've already mentioned, has been to take a look at life under the sun. Life considered apart from the work of God. There have been a few times in the course of the narrative where the the narrator has sort of cleared away the clouds and allowed the perspective of God to come shooting into the picture. But every point that he refers to God up to this point, he refers to him simply as God. At this point, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, he refers to him in a very intimate and personal way. He says, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Remember that there is not simply a deity out there somewhere who has left the world and then left it to its devices. This passage isn't saying, remember that there is a creator. This passage is saying, remember your creator. Remember the one who made you. You have a maker, and that maker is God. Of course, that doesn't diminish at all the natural way that we came to be by our mother giving birth to us. No, this isn't saying that your mother was not a part of it. It is saying that God is intimately involved with the process, that he's not distinct from the process. This is the way that the psalmist speaks of it in Psalm 139 as he tells us of his creator. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You see, our God did not simply make the world and then leave it. Our God made the world and since its creation has been involved sovereignly and intimately with its function. He is so intimately connected with the functioning of this world that he is the one who is not simply humanity's creator. He is your creator. 
No matter where you are from right now, if you are here in this room, you know that you have a maker, you have a creator, and your creator is God. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made by the most master craftsman. You have a maker, you have a creator. If you've come here this morning looking for comfort, I have some for you from God's word. You have a creator, and that creator is the God of the universe. Since you have a creator, you know that you have been well made. Since God is your maker, you know that you have been well made. Of course, you and I experience the effects of, this, of, of the fall and the effects of sin on our bodies and on our minds and on our relationships, but nonetheless, nonetheless, you have a creator who made you well. You are well made. You were made as he intended. It is very easy in our self-obsessed, in our materialistic culture to fixate about the things that we don't much like about our bodies or about the way that we act or operate. It is important for us to remember that we were made just as our creator intended. He is a master craftsman. Remember your creator and remember he has made you as he intended. That knowledge should give to us a certain level of contentment with who it is that we are, with how it is that we have been formed or made. You have been made by a master craftsman, and you've been well made. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. The second thing that we know is that since you have a creator, you know that you are loved. And you are not loved only, only generally, in a general sort of way. As a general part of the mass of humanity, you are loved with a specific, intentional one of, of the, the one who himself fashioned you into one of his great masterworks. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are a masterpiece of God. I have to believe that every true craftsman, every true creator loves the work that they have done, particularly their masterwork. You know, I'm not much of a creative person. I am certainly no master creator. I have written one poem in my life. It was about six months ago. That's as much creativity as I could muster throughout my ministry. One poem. It's probably objectively not even particularly good. But I made it and I love it. Because I'm the creator. I'm not a master craftsman, but my, my, I'm not a master creator, but my wife is. I married somebody who is a master creator. She is a beautiful artist. <laughs> and the best creation that she's made is a little girl named Elsie Grace Bukema. And I'll tell you what, I love that little girl so much. And the reality of the fact that you have a creator who is God himself means that God loves you with a deeper and a more complete love than I can give even to my daughter, who I love with my whole self. You have a creator. Remember, your creator. Since you know you have a creator, you know that you were made for a purpose. 
You did not just happen to be. You were created with an end in mind. Your purpose in life is to do the greatest thing that any human being could ever possibly do. Your purpose in life is to know the one who created you. That's what the passage is calling us to this morning. Remember your creator. Know the one who made you. Know your creator. Your greatest purpose in life is to know him both now and forever and to praise him, to bring him glory both now and forever. The greatest purpose, the greatest end to which you were made was to know your creator. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 is telling us, do the greatest thing you could possibly do and remember the one who made you. Remember your creator. And you probably also noticed that the passage says, remember him while you are young. Verse one, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, in the days of your youth. Young people, you who are in the pride of your life, you who are at the height or approaching the height of your body's capabilities, do not forget him who made you. Do not forget him who redeems. When people are in the pride of life, when they experience and know youthful exuberance, when they think that there is nothing but good for them in the future, it is tempting to forget the one who made you. It is tempting to believe that everything that you have, you have brought to yourself. It is tempting to believe that things will be good for you, that you'll never face trouble because when you're young, you haven't generally faced much of it. In the midst of your youth, remember, you did not create yourself. You are not in control of your own existence. Remember your creator. Remember your redeemer. And remember him because life goes by so very fast. That has been a huge theme in the book of Ecclesiastes. This word vanity that's repeated in every chapter. This word vanity means breath and it speaks to us of how quickly life goes. It's impossible to hold on to it. It's here in an instant. It's gone in another instant. Holding on to it is like trying to catch your own breath. It's impossible. Life's over in a moment. Youth is over in a moment. And so trust God now while you can. Everyone knows that youth is over in an instant. In fact, it's the biggest thing that Aubrey and I have heard ever since our daughter was born is treasure these times because they are done so quickly. Everyone knows how fast life and youth goes. Even songs know how quickly life goes. Even that little ditty about Jack and Diane tells you to hold on to 16 as long as you can because changes come around real soon and make us women and men. They know, everyone knows that youth is done in an instant. So while you can, before old age and death comes, Remember your creator. Trust your savior. The second part of the passage, the second part of the sermon today is remember your creator before the silver cord snaps. And so the rest of what we're gonna be answering today is is what is the rest of this passage all about? This is poetic language and it's very beautiful, but sometimes poetic language can be difficult to try to dig into what, it, what it's actually saying or telling us. So we're gonna explore what it is that Ecclesiastes 12, one through eight is telling us now. And verse one and verse seven helps us to realize what it is that verses two through six are talking about. So if your Bibles are still open, I want you to glance down with me at verse one and then we'll take a look at verse seven because that will help us understand what all of the, those poetic words in between them are talking about. So verse one, says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years the, and, and draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So what verse one is saying is clear enough, isn't it? 
Remember your creator before the days come when you have grown old and find little pleasure anymore in life. And then verse seven again makes this clear to us. So you can take a look starting at the final two words on the bottom of page 663. We're told, and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is also clear enough. It calls our attention back to Genesis chapter three, verse 19, where the Lord God pronounces a curse over the man after the man and the woman fell. And this is what the Lord God says in Genesis 3, 19. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And Ecclesiastes has already used this language in its third chapter, verse 20. Ecclesiastes 3, 20 says, all go to one place. All are from the dust. And to dust all return. If the Lord tarries, returning to the dust is what will happen to each of us. Each and every one of us will face death. And after death, our bodies will return to the dust out of which our father Adam was formed. Therefore, in plain language, this section of scripture is telling us, remember God, your creator, before you grow old and before you die. The time is short, so remember him now. And all of the verses between verse one and verse seven, that's verses two, three, four, five, and six, are describing this process of growing old and then death. Let's walk through them one at a time, shall we? Verse two says this, It's telling us to remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. And then verse two says, and you can look at it along with me, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. There are some physical realities that are described here. As one grows older, uh, if you don't have them already, you'll likely need glasses. And the reason is, is that somebody gets older, their eyesight tends to diminish. And so we're told that the sun and the light and the stars and the moon are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. The glasses need to come and then a stronger prescription comes and then eyesight starts to dim. Things start to go black. Sometimes surgeries need to be done to try to correct that. And what this is saying is giving us a vivid imagery saying that the night becomes blackened, the day itself becomes darkened. It's as if heavy clouds come and cover the sun. You know how if there's a a storm about to come and clouds have come and covered the sun and at midday it seems really dark at precisely the time where usually it's the most bright? This is what happens as one gets older. The light becomes to dim. It gets darker. But there is likely an emotional component here at play as well in verse two. Even if one's eyesight doesn't diminish, these are, to use the words of Ecclesiastes 12.1, the evil days, the days where one takes no pleasure in them. And Derek Kidner, in commenting on Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse two, says this. I wanna read this at length here. There is a chill in, of winter in the air of verse two. As the rains persist and the clouds turn daylight into gloom and the night into pitch blackness. It is a scene somber enough to bring home to us not only the fading of physical and mental powers, but the more general desolations of old age. There are many lights that are liable then to be withdrawn besides those of the senses and faculties as one by one old friends are taken, familiar customs change, and long-held hopes now have to be abandoned. 
All this will come at a stage where there's no longer the resilience of youth or the prospect of recovery to offset it. In one's early years and for the greater part of life, troubles and illnesses are chiefly setbacks, not disasters. One expects the sky to clear eventually. It's hard to adjust to the closing of that long chapter, to know that now in the final stretch, there will be no improvement. The clouds will always gather again and time will no longer heal but kill. This is describing life as it approaches the end. And note his insightful comment that as old age comes, familiar customs change and old friends are taken. One of the things that is difficult about old age is that you find that you may live in the same place and even worship in the same church, in the same worshiping community. But you don't know the people as well as you used to because your dearest friends are no longer around. The songs are are not so familiar to you. Old customs have moved away. These are hard days. The days are dim. So remember your creator. Remember him before those days come. Remember him in the midst of those days. Allow yourself to be sustained in the midst of those days of sorrow by the loving hand of your loving creator. And then you can turn with me and look at verse three, which says, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look, who look through the window are dimmed. Verse three and the beginning of verse four describes the elderly person like a house. The keepers of the house, the keepers of the house are the arms which used to be strong, but now as one has grown old, the strength is gone and the arms tremble now. The passage goes on, the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent. The strong men very likely refer to the legs or the legs in the back who begin to become stooped over through age and use. We're then told in verse three that, uh, that the, uh, the grinders cease because they are few. This one you may have picked up, the grinders of course being the teeth. As you grow older, your teeth start to fall out and there are few. And so the grinders cease. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. This refers to a simple loss of vision or eyesight that's dimmed by cataracts. Verse four continues at the very beginning. And the doors on the street are shut and the sound of grinding is low. This is referring to the fact that as one uh, one gets older, one oftentimes loses their ability to hear as well. Hearing becomes more and more difficult as the person's faculties are diminished. And so the sounds that one hears or experiences are like someone who's trying to hear a conversation that's going on outside of your house. The door of the house is shut, and so everything is muffled and difficult to understand, difficult to hear. The sound of the grinding is low. That means that the work of of regularly grinding grain is taking place far away. You don't get to participate in the regular, ordinary things of life that used to bring you joy. The passage goes on, one rises up at the sound of a bird and the daughters of song are brought low. When one grows older, they tend to wake up very early at the time when the first songbird is starting to sing. They go to sleep early, they wake up very early as you are approaching the end of your days and the daughters of song are brought low. The vocal cords cease to be as strong as they once were. The old person's vocal cords no longer have the elasticity that they once had to make sweet music. Verse five goes on, they're afraid of what is high and terrors in the way. They're afraid now of what is high because they're afraid to fall. Falling can be extremely dangerous for somebody as they have entered into old age 
And so they are particularly afraid of that which is high because they are afraid to fall. They're afraid of terrors which are in the way because their strength is gone and they have no ability now to fend off dangers that they might encounter in the streets or attackers that might now rise up against them. Terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. For somebody that didn't know what an almond tree looked like in bloom, this was a particularly confusing part of the passage for me. But here it is. There's an uh, an almond tree that is blossoming. You know what that refers to? It means that as you grow older, your hair turns white. The reason for all of this is that man is going to his eternal home. Remember God now. Remember your creator now. Trust Jesus, trust him now, trust him while you still can. Life is soon gone. The evil days are quickly upon us. Life is over in an instant, it is like a breath. And so trust Christ now. Life under the sun is so brief, it will soon be done. And so we need the redemption of our maker and creator to save us, to redeem us, to give to us the promise of eternal life. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through His Word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to Him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.